Let's go ahead and take our Bibles here tonight, and let's go ahead and turn to the book of Genesis as we consider here since tonight some thoughts on the, the uh, subject of stewardship. And uh, as again, as we consider some thoughts on the subject of stewardship, a lot of times we'll consider Joseph there in the book of Genesis, but I want to consider maybe a, uh, maybe a more unusual case of stewardship in the Bible as we consider Noah as a steward. And uh, again, I, I don't think people understand this, maybe, or maybe they do understand this, but he has to be someone who had one of the most difficult tasks of stewardship that anyone could have been given. And uh, I want to read a little bit about him here tonight and consider the role of stewardship. We'll consider three, three thoughts on stewardship, an example of stewardship in Noah, an enemy of stewardship, and elements of stewardship. And so let's begin here in Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse number 11, and begin to read a little bit about what was going on during the time of Noah and how he was thrust into a place of stewardship. Verse number 11, it says, And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way in the earth, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is a fashion which you shall make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it uh, 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And a window shalt thou make in the ark, and in the uh, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the, the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with uh, lower and second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, where is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything which is in the earth shalt die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and everything, uh, every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of the fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and of every keeping thing of the earth after his kind, Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee. And thou shalt be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. I want to consider here tonight uh, Noah as a steward as we consider the role of stewardship. Let's pray as we begin here tonight. Father, thank you again for this time we have to look in the Word of God. Father, this example we have in the Word of God that can be a help and a, a challenge to us. I pray that you would again just help us to understand some things about stewardship here tonight as we uh, again are in a process of uh, you know, choosing stewards once again and nominating even tonight. Again, just bless this time as we meet. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. What an example of stewardship. I mean, amazing example of stewardship when you think about Noah. 
I mean, imagine the task of building an ark this size. Now that would be an amazing thing for someone to do. An amazing task of building a, a ship of this size, this scope. That's, again, just one thing he was called to do by God. But he was not only called to build the ship, but he was called to take care of those who would go within the ship. Again, as we think about the subject of stewardship, he was called to a place of careful and responsible management of something that's been entrusted to his care. That is a definition of stewardship, the careful and responsible management of something that's been entrusted to your care. I mean, just think of the task ahead for Noah as he's told that God's going to destroy all these things. He's going to destroy all mankind and all these animals and all these things. And you see no argument from Noah. He doesn't say the task you're telling me to build is too big. He's not telling them that, again, they're, the, uh, again, getting together all this food for these animals is going to be too much for me and my family to bear. He doesn't talk at all here about, again, anything as far as the everyday care that would be involved in taking care of these animals. And just think about the fear of a storm as it would take place for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, imagine what would go on in your head during that time. And imagine what would maybe go on the animals' heads during that time. You know how animals sometimes during a storm will probably get a little scared and and fearful and all those kinds of things. And here's his task before Noah to take everything that creeps upon the earth as well as his family and his, his grown uh, children upon this ark and to be a caregiver to bring life after God sends death to this earth in the form of a flood. God entrusted Noah with his task this careful and responsible management of creation, both creatures and people upon the ark. He would have to delegate, for sure. He would have to use wisdom, for sure. He would have to be in a place where he was a caregiver over this idea that God had, and this thing that God had set forth to take place. As we think of stewardship here tonight, again, a, a definition of stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something that's entrusted to our care. You know, someone could give you something to care for, to take care of, and that is an example of stewardship. And this example of stewardship, you see, in a sense, Captain Noah take over this great task of the ark. And he's going to be the captain of the ark. And he has crew members. Not many at all, just his children, his wife, and his children's wives upon the ark. Again, caregivers take care of other people. There's a lot of caregiving that takes place as far as stewardship. And, and uh, maybe we don't think of stewards this way, but think about the pilot and the stewards on a plane. You know, everybody's life is in their hands. What that pilot, as you've seen, I mean... In times past where the pilot, again, can be someone who's bad and someone who's wicked or whatever it might be. And 
It can destroy everybody that's upon that plane. The pilot and the steward or stewardess on that plane are caregivers. They are given the careful and responsible, uh, again, uh, ability to manage over the operations of plane flight from point A to point B. The train, again, I don't, I don't take trains, but I was just looking here just recently on a, a train ride. I wouldn't necessarily take one, but I was looking more at plane flights. And I looked at some plane ri- uh, flights and some train rides, and I, I looked at this one place. Again, it was some place I was thinking of maybe going to, and I thought, 22 hours on a train. I have no interest. <laughs> I thought to myself, 22 hours on a plane. And then I looked at, again, the airplane flight, three hours. Three hours. I'm not saying, again, you can't take a train and that sort of thing, but there's a conductor there. There's a crew there. There's stewardess there. There's people that are called to caregiving. Uh, A babysitter, for a time, is put in a place of stewardship. Again, a teacher, a coach, a tutor, a butler, a maid, a servant, a parent is placed in a place of stewardship. A foster parent is placed in a place of stewardship. Financial advisors are in a place of stewardship. Uh, money managers, again, farmers, ranchers, all kinds of different people are put in places of stewardship. But tonight we want to consider Noah. I want to say this about Noah. First of all, he was equipped for stewardship. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, he was equipped for stewardship. As uh, you look in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27, verse number 28, he was equipped to be someone who could oversee not only his family, but also creation and creatures, just as Adam was. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he man. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish." of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that creep it, that move us, sorry, upon the earth. And so again, who was given oversight over the animal kingdom and the creatures, God's creatures? Well, God gave Adam, God gave Eve oversight, but he also, I believe, gave all, uh, again, all of humanity oversight over these animals. And so we see in the Bible that Again, Adam was given oversight, but also I believe uh, as you look back there at Genesis chapter 6, Noah was given oversight. Genesis chapter 6, let's go back there if you would. You say, how was he given? How was he equipped to be able to oversee this operation of taking all these animals and putting them on an ark and, and having them on the ark? And this operation would take place for over a year. So it wasn't a one-day stand. Oh, just get the animals in there, and next day we're coming out. It wasn't something like that. It was a huge, again, place of oversight that he would take to have, uh, take and have to have in his life. You say, how did he do this? Well, Genesis 6, verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. He's equipped for oversight. You say, how was he equipped for oversight? He knew God and he also walked with God and he was given grace by God and he found salvation in God. 
And so again, he knew the God of creation and that creator designer called him to take this place of oversight. He looked at him and said, Noah, you're the person for this job in so many words. And so we see him equipped for oversight. Let me say this. Secondly, he was qualified for oversight. You say, why do you believe he was qualified? It says in the Bible now he was a just man. He was a just man, a perfect man. Again, certainly was equipped, I believe, in a special way by God for his day and his time. He was a preacher of righteousness. The book of Jude and uh, other places in the Bible talk about that. Uh, again, he was equipped, I believe, physically for the job. He's quick, uh, equipped uh, spiritually for the job. He's equipped emotionally for the job and mentally for the job. And I just think about the care of all those animals. I think to myself, that wouldn't be a job for me. It wouldn't. I'm not saying I couldn't. I don't think I could. But I mean, he had to take care of all these animals and care for his family and, and, and be in a place of leadership as captain of the ark. But that's not why he was able to do this job. I want to see you to see here, thirdly, he was commanded to take this job of building the ark and overseeing the ark. Verse number 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which you shall make of it. The length is going to be so long, and it mentions the height there, and, 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 and the length, and the breadth, and all that kind of things. It talks about putting a window in verse number 16, a door it mentions there, and it mentions all these things he would have to do with this ark operation. You say... As a steward, he was equipped, he was qualified, but he was also commanded to do this job. And so he was called to do the job, and he did the job. You see that in verse number 22, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. God commanded him, and he did it. Again, in this oversight, let me say this third, uh, fourthly about his oversight, he was provided in this oversight. In verse number 19, it says, and, and every living thing of the earth, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of the fowls of, the, and of their kind and cattle of their kind and every uh, creepy thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep thee alive. Every sort is going to come to thee. God would make the animals come. God somehow allowed for these animals to come. And they would come to the ark, and they would board the ark, and Noah would put them in places in the ark, and his family again would assist in taking care of these animals in the ark. But it was provided God called the animals there. He didn't have to go out there and, and say, you know, where's the last animal? They came there. And certainly that was something that God did. He was provided for. He's protected in the ark. He was protected in this oversight. You see in Matthew, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 7, let's skip down to verse number 11, the storm came. Uh, the storm that would came and kill much of mankind came upon the earth. Genesis 7, verse number 11, it says, and in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, 
In the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the foundations of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven open and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 13, in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons into the ark. And they and every beast of, uh, after their kind and all cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, went in, male and female of the flesh, and God, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And so you see, God shut the door of the ark. They all come into the ark, and God shuts the door of the ark. And they're all now inside the ark. And they find protection in the ark. And they find provision in the ark. A mega storm comes there. You see in verse number uh, 18, it says, And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went up from the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly above the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail. And the mountains were covered and all flesh died that moveth on the earth, both the fowl, the cattle, the beast, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth, and every man, and all whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed, which was on the face of the earth, both man and cattle and creeping thing, and fowl the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Now Noah's protected, as well as these animals, and his family's protected by this mega flood, this mega storm. 40 days and 40 nights, this storm came and covered everything, covered the mountains even over with lots and lots of water. It was a mega flood. It was a worldwide flood. It took place. And again, there may be scoffers and all that kind of thing today about it, but it, it talks about this mega storm taking place. Let me say this also about this oversight. Not only was he protected in his oversight, but he persisted in his oversight. Again, that's not the end of the story. 150 days and it's done. It's a long time. 150 days. But notice in verse number 1 of chapter 8, it says, And the Lord remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged, and the fountains also the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from the heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month, of the 17th day of the month upon Mount Ararat. So again, if you go back there, it talks about the, the second day, sorry, the second month is when the, the rain started there. It says that in verse number 11, it says in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the fountains of the great broke up. And you find here in chapter 8, it mentions here, finally that they come to a place where they, rest there upon 
Mount Ararat and this wind comes along and begins to get rid of all the, uh, again, the, the water and that sort of things. In verse 5 it says, and the waters decrease continually until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, the first day of the month, were the tops of the mount to be seen. It came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he made, and he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro till the waters were dried up from the earth. And he sent forth a dove uh, from him to see if the waters were abated from the face of the ground. The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, returned to the ark. And so you see, months later, there's still nowhere for animals to, to live and to, uh, to be and that kind of stuff. Sends out another dove and, and you know the story there. Uh, again, mentions verse 11, the dove came in onto her in the evening, and lo, her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And so you see again the grounds, uh, I mean, the water's starting to go down and down, if you would. And, uh, and then verse 13, it says, And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, and he returned no more again. And so... You see, Noah, again, persisting and patiently taking care of those on the ark, sending out a bunch of birds here. Again, not a bunch, but, I mean, a, a raven to begin with, a dove to begin with, another dove sent, another dove sent, and finally to a place where they can possibly get off the ark. Verse 13, it says, that It came to pass in the 600th and first year in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry in the second month on the uh, seven, seven and twentieth day of the month was the earth dried up. And so we find here in the Bible, the Bible mentions verse 13, the six hundredth and, and, and first year, the first month, the first day of the month, Things are dried up. And so about a year later, everything's dried up. It mentions there as far as, it mentions as far as the water is concerned. But then it mentions in verse 14, it says in the second month, in the seventh and, and 20th day of the month was the earth dried up. And so it appears there in the Bible, it took over a year for this flood to really get to a place where people could come and leave the ark. Not only people leave the ark, but the animals to leave the ark. And uh, verse 15, it says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' sons, bring forth thee everything that is with thee, all flesh, of both the fowl, the cattle, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, he and his sons, and his wives with them. And it goes on from there. But I just want you to notice here, Noah persisted in this oversight. Given a place of responsibility to oversee this ark operation to keep people alive and also to keep animals alive, Noah persisted in it for well over a year. Finally got to leave the ark. And you find him after he leaves the ark, he makes an altar to God. Verse number 20, it says, And Noah built an altar unto God and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, 
and day and night shall not cease. And so we see here finally Noah's faithful in his oversight of this operation. From the beginning of the building to the last animal leaving, Noah was an example of faithful and responsible and helpful stewardship. He stewarded over people, he stewarded over food, he stewarded over animals, he stewarded over God's creation for well over a year. He was certainly a good example of stewardship. Let's turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. What could have hurt Noah's oversight operation? What could hurt anyone's oversight operation? I want to consider here what I call the number one enemy of stewardship. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 10. What is the one enemy that we have when it comes to stewardship? And again, there may be other enemies, and maybe this isn't number one, but I believe this is one of the number one enemies when it comes to stewardship or overseeing uh, something that is somebody else's. And overseers, again, uh, oversee something that somebody else has. Some could be house-sitting, maybe when it comes to a house, and during that time of house-sitting, they're to take care of the house and, and watch over the house and kind of keep an eye on the house and that sort of thing. They certainly aren't to destroy the house, uh, there's to keep it in good shape and all that kind of stuff. But uh, one could, in that kind of a place of stewardship, again, be in a place that maybe they shouldn't be, again, uh, spiritually or uh, we could say mentally there. First Timothy chapter 6 and, and verse number 10, the Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after their had erred from the faith and pierced himself through with many sorrows. What is the, probably the number one enemy of stewardship or oversight? It is greed. Why are some businesses destroyed? Someone within the business, someone that heads the business, someone that's involved with the business, may position where they steal from the business. And it sooner or later destroys the business. You've heard of embezzling before. Maybe you haven't heard of embezzling, but turn to John chapter 12. There have been businesses and things and operations that have been sunk through embezzlement or people stealing from the company in different ways. And, and over time, maybe a business finds itself not able to exist anymore. Uh, John chapter 12, verse number 6. John chapter 12, verse number 6. Judas is just, again, here is in a place of oversight. And it's unusual to see him in this place of oversight, to be honest with you at least from my perspective, and I don't think like God, but uh, I try to think like God, but I just don't quite get this. Uh, John chapter 12, 6 says this of Judas. It says, this is he, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, had the bag, and bear that was, was put therein. So someone says, well, what was the character of Judas? He was a thief. He stole. He was someone that was known to be someone that steals. Yet he had the bay. Turn to John chapter 13. Again, the enemy of oversight is, again, someone in a position of greed or someone, again, is going to be crooked in the place of oversight. Even the, again, an example of the unjust servant or overseer or steward there is mentioned in the Bible and his oversight was certainly crooked and uh, 
that sort of thing. But John chapter 13 and uh, verse number two, the Bible says, and the supper being ended, the devil uh, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot that he should betray him. And uh, you find there in verse number, uh, so verse number 20, uh, that's not the right verse. Can't quite read my, what I wrote down here, but Again, Judas was in a place of oversight. When it comes to the church's money, he was in a place of oversight. When it came to, again, giving away things. And uh, he was in a place of oversight, but he was crooked. He was greedy. Uh, we talked about greedy Gehazi and how, again, he was a snare to his own soul. Uh, greed can hurt us in a place of oversight. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. I'm not saying no would do this, but... Well, if Noah decided, you know, we're going to take care of all these animals and cattle because they're really tasty to eat, and so we're just going to eat them up, devour them, and, and we'll be done with them. Well, then maybe you wouldn't have a cow to eat today. Or maybe you wouldn't have a pig to eat today. Uh, he wasn't greedy. He wasn't someone, again, who was going to take away from those things that he, that he needed and also those things that God said to take care of and to have oversight over Again, bring food upon the ark and, and provide for not only you and your family, but also for these animals. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 27, it says, He that is greedy of gain troubled his own house, but he that hath gifts shall live. And so greedy people shouldn't be in a place of oversight. It's not a good uh, position to put a person in. Again, a person, again, is greedy might say, you know what, I, you know Boss isn't paying me enough. I'm just going to take a little bit here from the till. You know, you know, boss isn't paying me enough. I'm just going to take this tool home with me. Boss isn't doing this, and so I'm just not going to work or whatever it might be, and I'm not going to do this, that, or I'm going to be involved with this, that, or something else shady. Proverbs warns about greed. He that is greed of grain troubles his own house. And so the enemy... Of stewardship is greed. I don't think there was any greedy bone when it came to Noah. He wasn't desirous to get ahead. He wasn't desirous to gain, but he was again in a place of oversight where he was to be in a position where he'd be helpful in overseeing this operation. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. The enemy of stewardship is greed. And that really, I don't believe, again, people in general, they're greedy, are not going to see their house or their uh, oversight uh, come to a, to a crashing end and a crashing disaster. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 22, I want to consider the oversight of Noah as an example, and I want to consider three elements of Noah's oversight. And I'll try to cover these quickly. First of all, as we consider Noah's oversight, you see in verse number 22, it says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about Noah's oversight? It was faithful. There was no questions about what should be done or why it should be done or how it should be done. He just did it. Uh, again, faithful stewardship. Faithful with our time, our treasure, our talents, our tongue, our things. These are the areas of stewardship. Not only faithful with those things, but also with our health, our influence, our opportunities, our gifts, our skills, whatever we might have 
for God to use. God used Noah to a great degree because he was willing to be used to the Lord. Let's turn to Romans chapter 15. Faithful stewardship. He didn't hold back. He didn't say, well, you know what? I'll be involved with the building of the, this big ark, but after that's done, you know, my son, Shem, he'll head up this operation. No, he didn't say that. No, he didn't say Hamlet end up this operation. It was he that was supposed to be involved in this place of stewardship. Romans chapter 15, verse number 2 and verse number 3, it says, so Let every one of us please his neighbor for the good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that were reproached, they fell on me. Didn't please himself. And Christians aren't supposed to seek to please themselves. Uh, who got the task of cleaning up after the animals? Was Bill on the ark? I'm just using a name, but was Bill on there or Phil on the ark or Joe on the ark? No, there's only so many to pick from. Who's, who's, who's going to do this? Who's going to care for the animals? Who's going to comfort the animals? Who's going to take care of the animals? Who's going to, I mean, if there was a fight there with the animals, I'm not saying there was. There could have been, maybe there wasn't. A lot of people think, again, God put all the animals to sleep and that sort of thing, and maybe he did. I don't know. It would be easiest to take care of that way, I'm sure. Maybe he sent them in some kind of hibernation place, I don't know, but he had to be faithful in his stewardship. The first requirement of Stewardship is faithfulness. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2. There's no doubt that Noah was faithful. Nobody, again, looks at Noah and says, you know, he just did part of what God wanted him to do. He decided after this that was enough and he and decided to do something different. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Noah was faithful. Let's turn, if you would, back to Genesis chapter 6. What is it that made Noah an example of stewardship? What are the elements of a stewardship? What were the qualifications of true and good and scriptural stewardship? First of all, faithfulness. Let me say this. Secondly, consistency. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. He had a consistent relationship with God. He certainly probably was someone who proved himself faithful over things before. Honestly, there was no one else to choose from. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. There was really no one else to choose from. Someone says, what about all these other people? Well, they decided not to get on the ark. They decided not to exercise faith in God. They decided not to heed the warnings that you need to get aboard the ark or you're going to die in a great storm. No one listened. His kids came in. Their wives came in. His wife came in. Paul is, I mean, sorry, uh, Known as an example of consistency. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is also much. And he that is unjust in the least 
is unjust also in much. I believe Noah was faithful in little things. He had to be faithful in little things. He had to be faithful in keeping at the task and doing what needed to be done. Noah had provided for his family, had been a place where he walked regularly with God, and so God chose him for this task. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 90, a consistent stewardship, consistent stewardship over time, over tests, through trials. Again, imagine living during his day. I mean, wickedness is rampant in his day, and yet he's consistent in his walking with God. He doesn't backslide. We don't see that. We don't see him. And again, we may see him do something wrong there towards the end. I get that. And we could look at that later on. But uh, he was in a position where he was consistent and wise in his stewardship. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we apply our hearts to wisdom. He certainly must have been wise in his stewardship. Choosing which animals, where to go, which creatures, where to go, what creatures could probably be on top of the ark or around the ark, or some could be in and or out. I don't know how they did all this kind of thing, but you'd have to have this thing figured out. Faithful and little, faithful and much. I believe that was the kind of stewardship that Noah was involved with. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12, if you would. Again, stewardship is taking responsibility for something that somebody else owns. Our children are owned to the Lord, and us as parents are in a position of stewardship. They are not ours. We don't own them. They are God's, and we are to train them in the right way and to encourage them towards the things of God. They are His heritage. And again, it's gift for us to steward for time over. Luke chapter 12 Verse number 42 and verse number 43, it says, Who then is a faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them a portion of meat in due season? Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing. You know, Noah had to be in a place where he was involved with doing a lot of things and it mentions there verse number uh, 42, again, some qualifications there as a steward, faithful and wise. He's wise and consistent in his stewardship. Wise and consistent in how to deal with these animals. No one could have done this without using some wisdom. And this wisdom had to be given to him of God. Let's turn back there to Genesis chapter 6. One more quality of Noah's stewardship. Not only was it faithful stewardship, and wise and consistent stewardship, but it was considerate and caring as far as his stewardship. Uh, verse number 20 and verse number 1, it says, Take thou thee of all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be food for thee and for them. Thus Noah did according to all the God commandments, so did he. Considerate, compassionate, Caring kind of stewardship. Caring for those animals. Caring for his family. Caring for the food. Making sure everybody had water and, and the things that they needed to continue and to be alive at the end of this voyage. And after the water abated. 
Let's turn forward there to Genesis chapter 8. This was not some easy operation. This was not some easy task that just anybody could take part in, but it needed to be done by someone who cared and was concerned about following the Word of God and doing things according to the Word of God and seeing God help him in the end. Uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And so he builds an altar, a place of worship there. And uh, then God begins to talk to him about some things in chapter 9. I just want to read through that just a little bit, if you would. Follow along with me in verse 4. It says, But flat, the flesh of the life thereof, which is in the blood, and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it in every hand of man, and every hand shall every man's brother shall require of, it, of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, man shall, be, uh, shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he him. And you be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and his sons with him. And I, behold, will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature. And he mentions a number of different things. I will, in verse 11, it says, And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall any flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall any more be destroyed anymore be of a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a token of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual generation. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And so God sent the rainbow to be something that people could look to and see that God will never flood the earth again. The elements of stewardship in Noah's life are an example to us. He was faithful in stewardship. He was consistent in stewardship. He was compassionate in stewardship. No doubt he had to care for the animals. He had to care for, again, his family. He had to, again, send out this dove, this dove again, to be sure that everything was good to go as far as, again, uh, food and that sort of thing for the animals to live off. Again, these are some examples of stewardship. The example of Noah here tonight is one of someone who was equipped, qualified, commanded, provided for, persisted in, and faithful in stewardship. And so he's an example for us to consider here tonight. In verse number 22, I'll close with this verse, Genesis 6, verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Stewardship. The role of stewardship is to be that of being faithful, consistent, and caring and considerate in stewardship. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here tonight.